Welcome to the Pain-Free Cycling Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Schaefer, physical therapist, strength conditioning coach. On this podcast, I help you, the cyclist, take control of your health on and off the saddle. Whether you're rehabbing an injury, trying to bulletproof your body, or simply learn more about health and wellness as a cyclist, you're in the right spot. My goal is simple. I want you to ride longer, ride stronger, and be able to soak up every sweet moment the sport of cycling has to offer. So kick back, relax, and let's dive into the world of pain-free cycling. I talked a little bit last time about how I'm going to show you some of my different jerseys over the next several episodes. Fortunately, here in Denver, it is freezing cold this week. Um, we've got winds up to 70 miles per hour. I was supposed to go skiing today, but uh, that did not end up happening. So we're shooting some content. So jersey that we're going over today is my Madrid jersey. Very, very special to me. It's got the bear, which is uh, actually a giant statue that they have in the center of the city, Seoul. Um, I studied abroad in Madrid for about six months back, and I think it was 2018, maybe. Had a phenomenal time, really enjoyed it. Um, so this jersey is a nice commemorative piece. I think if I'd be wearing it right now, it'd be freezing. So I'm going to stick to the hoodie. But today we're going to be covering the hip labrum. We're going to talk about what it is, how it's injured, uh, and what you can do to position yourself to be successful if you find yourself dealing with a hip labrum injury. Because um, I think this is something that comes up a lot, especially for cyclists. We'll talk a little bit about the mechanism of injury um, and why why it is more common for cyclists to experience this type of injury. And then I did this on a few of the previous episodes, but towards the end, we're going to talk about different questions you can ask and things you should be aware of when you're consulting with, you know, physical therapist, uh, orthopedic doctor, even a surgeon, just so you can position yourself to make sure you're having all the right information uh, when making decisions regarding the health of your hips. So the first sign that you might be experiencing a labrum injury is if you're noticing popping, clicking, or pain uh, in your hips that either started suddenly or has developed over time. Uh, these feelings can really be pretty unnerving and leave you wondering what in the world's causing the sensation and what can you do to address it? I think in terms of anatomy, most of us are aware that we have a lot of large muscles surrounding your hips. Um, we've got a group of big ones known as the glutes that uh, oftentimes get a lot of press. And then we have a few different bones in place connecting our pelvis uh, to our lower extremity. But what we may not be quite as familiar with is the connective tissue surrounding the hip joint and just how big of a role it plays. I'm referring to the labrum here. So let's explore the hip labrum, which is a subtle yet crucial component of the hip joint. And it often flies under the radar. It's not something we think about uh, unless it's causing us pain or irritation. So what exactly is the hip labrum? When thinking about your hip joint, it's important to note that it's categorized and functions as a ball and socket joint. Uh, so if you think of your hand here, both your hands here, so you've got your acetabulum or kind of the hip socket here, and then you've got your femur, which connects to the hip socket. So we've got these two moving pieces. Um, and with it being a ball and socket joint, basically that means it can move in just about any direction or plane of motion. So for reference, another common ball and socket joint is your glenohumeral or shoulder joint functions very similar uh, in that you got your ball and your humerus going into 
um, the socket up here, which also has another labrum. So you might be thinking to yourself, wow, that sounds like all kinds of mobility. How does it stay in place? How does it not fall out? How does it maintain uh, symmetry, congruence, suction, all that good stuff? Well, that's where the labrum starts to come into play. So the hip labrum is a connective tissue surrounding the inside of your hip, which is known as the acetabulum of the pelvis. If we go back to our hand model here, that's going to be this inside surface of the joint. Um, that allows the ball of your hip to suction to the socket. So the labrum in here is what keeps keeps that joint nice and tight to each other, maintaining that congruence. Uh, it's able to accomplish this function by extending the hip socket. So if the hip socket was just bone, um, it wouldn't necessarily have that depth for the hip to lock in. Um, but when we do have that labrum in place, it just extends everything a little bit, deepening deepening that surface where... Uh, the femur can kind of lock in. And then depending on your own anatomy, it can cover up to 80% of the femoral head. So kind of overhanging a little bit, um, again, just to help with that symmetry. Outside of maintaining the tight suction, the labrum also provides a lot of shock absorption. So decreasing forces throughout the hip up to 92%, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, it provides joint lubrication, leading to a very unique combination of both mobility and stability. So with all these functions in mind, it should start to become clear why this tissue is so important, especially for you as a cyclist and the various problems that may arise if you're having irritation um, or an injury occurs. So then the next thing I wanna talk about is how the labrum is injured. So the most common mechanism in which the labrum is injured is with repetitive deep flexion or internal rotation. Um, or think like turning your turning your knee inward or you can turn your hip. That would be that internal rotation. Um, this position is especially common for you as a cyclist, even more so if you're riding in an aggressive bent over position. Other athletes that are affected by this are martial artists, hockey players, golfers, as well as those participating in sports requiring repetitive rotation. So let's talk a little bit more about how cyclists and just the repetitive nature of the sport will put you at even more risk. So during the course of just a 20 mile ride, a cyclist will go through close to two, or sorry, close to 5,000 repetitions of pedaling. So your leg going around 5,000 times. That's pretty insane. So now multiply that if you're doing like a 50 mile ride, or if you are, you know, doing more mileage throughout the week, that's a lot of repetitions. Um, and to pair that with non-optimal form or an injury that you might be having, that's a recipe for a lot of labral irritation. So although the source of injury is typically repetitive in nature, that discomfort from the injury will oftentimes appear suddenly. So it might just be one day you wake up, all of a sudden you're starting to have hip pain, but it's due to the accumulation um, of all that repetition over a long period of time. Some common signs to look for when considering uh, an injury to the hip labrum include pain in the C-shaped pattern surrounding the hip joint. I'm gonna stand up here for a minute. So thinking about this C sign being moving from here to here in your hip, people often say, oh, it really hurts right here and then grab onto their 
hip in that position, that's going to be your C sign. Other things to look for are clicking, popping, especially near the joint line of the hip with flexion. So bringing your knee up like you're marching or internal rotation, turning the knee in. All those might be a little bit uncomfortable. Also may experience pain or discomfort in the front of your thigh. And as this is progressive, what you'll notice is that pain might extend down towards the front of your knee. So then let's talk next about common injuries to the labrum, what they actually look like now that you know what signs to look for. So the labrum is commonly injured in one of two ways. If you have a labrum injury, you've likely heard these terms floated around. Maybe even you've been Googling, I don't know what's wrong with my hip, and you've seen these terms come up. So the two common ways are through either a CAM, that's C-A-M, or pincer, P-I-N-C-E-R, impingement. If you're dealing with a hip or labrum injury, you'll hear these terms used frequently. So I want to take a minute to explain how each type occurs anatomically and if it really makes a difference to you, if it should be something you're more concerned about or if it doesn't really matter. So the cam impingement occurs when the ball-shaped end of the thigh bone, so we'll go back to our hand model here, um, ball-shaped end of the thigh bone has bony growth, so say you've got all of a sudden have a growth here. Um, impact in its otherwise spherical shape. So normally it's like a ball, but if all of a sudden um, we start to see these bony growths appear all throughout, all of a sudden it's not so nice of a circle. Um, these abnormalities can lead to excess friction in the hip joint with routine movement. So all of a sudden, rather than gliding smoothly, we see more of a rubbing um, that can lead to pain and irritation or damage to uh, the labral tissue. The average age of someone with those cam impingements can be about 32 years old, and then men are almost 14 times more likely to experience that type of impingement. Uh, next, we have a pincer impingement, and that's going to occur when there's extra bone that's built up on the inside um, of the acetabulum or the hip socket in here, and then that, again, is going to rub against uh, the femoral head, also leading to discomfort. And the pincer is going to be a little bit more common in women. Um, and oftentimes will occur closer to the age of 40. So the majority of those hip labral injuries are caused by these forms of impingement, but the labral injuries can occur with or without that impingement as well. Uh, regardless of the specific cause, there's always going to be ways to improve the symptoms uh, or even reduce the need altogether for surgical intervention. So don't get too wrapped up in what type of uh, what type of impingement it is. And then I'm going to provide, again, some questions at the end that you can ask your surgeon, PT, or orthopedic doctor that will give you some better information rather than just what type of uh, impingement you might have. So that's great and all, but what do we do about it? So let's talk about hip labral rehab, important components, and what you can actually do to start to address some of these issues and take care of it. Um, so it's not something that lingers for a prolonged period of time. So in progressing through hip labral rehab, there's going to be three key components to address. Those are hip mobility, hip stability, and then core strength. So I want to take a look at each, I'm going to explain what they are, why they're important. But let's start with hip mobility. The first key to rehab in many cases, regardless of the body region, is to address motion impairments if they exist. In the case of a labral tear in the hip, the motions of hip flexion and hip internal rotation 
So I've said it a lot, but I'm gonna say it again. That's the marching your knee up motion. And then I'll actually demonstrate the internal rotation piece here. So marching up or internal rotation is turning the hip inward. Those two motions are oftentimes the most limited. And so those are things that you're going to want to work on very early on in rehab, start to get some of that mobility back. So to address these mobility impairments, one of my favorite positions to place patients in is quadruped. Um, think about like the all fours position, having contact with both the hands and knees on the ground. From this position, there are two exercise progressions that I recommend to begin working on your flexion mobility and start to reduce those feelings of pressure at the joint. The first exercise is called the quadruped rock back. So from the starting position on your hands and knees, shifting your weight backwards so that your hips are moving down towards your heels. And then, so when you're doing this, perform the motion within uh, tolerance to begin to challenge and improve that hip flexion motion. It's very important to ease into these motions and progress, uh, progress that range of motion over time rather than pushing so fast um, aggressively during your first two, few times performing the movement to a point where it's so uncomfortable that you don't want to do it again. That's when patients start to get into trouble, and that's what I want you to avoid. Once it starts to become a little bit easier and you don't have as much pain, you can add a band, uh, exercise band along your groin and your joint line, and you can perform that same quadruped rock back motion, this time with a band anchored uh, around you. So this will add a little bit of a distraction force which can temporarily increase the amount of joint space you have and can offer you some relief towards some of those pinching sensations you may be experiencing. If this provides significant relief, you can also position the bands so that it's anchored next to you, providing more of a lateral force. Um, so if these are my knees here, you can wrap a band around here. Um, my fist is a wall. This is my knee that I'm working on. And then there's rock back and forth with that band distracting laterally um, can tend to feel pretty good. So now that we've discussed a few ways to improve that flexion range of motion, let's talk about some different ideas for that internal rotation mobility. One of my favorite exercises that'll give you the most bang for the buck is going to be the 90-90 stretch along with some variations of movement. So 90-90 stretch is performed by starting in the seated position on the ground with the outside of your right leg and ankle in contact with the floor, as well as the inside of your left leg and ankle in contact with the floor. And from that position, you're rotating your legs to the opposite side. So the motion will challenge your internal rotation as well as external rotation to maximize the mobility within your hips. So really you're moving the legs back and forth. Um, I've got some videos of this on YouTube as well. If you want to look it up and see specifically what that motion is. Begin working again through a comfortable range of motion and then progress over time. This isn't something that's going to turn around or be perfectly fine after doing it once or twice. Something where you need to work on those ranges of motion you have that are comfortable and then you can build up. After you address those hip mobility deficits, it's time to progress towards more strengthening. Um, so the following exercises I'll talk about here will provide some of the best ways to activate those major muscles of your hip. The first exercise progression that I frequently recommend for improve, improving 
your hip strength, your glute strength is going to be a bridge progression. So with this type of exercise, you'll start laying on your back with your knees bent and your hands kind of positioned next to you on the floor. And then you'll press your legs into the ground, you'll lift your hips up off the ground, and then you'll squeeze your hip muscles at the top. The really nice thing about this exercise, you can progress in so many ways. You can add different banded resistance around your thighs. You can move to um, alternating, doing single leg motions as well. You can vary the amount of times you do a hold. You can do a little bit of a pulse. Really, the uh, options here are endless. You can also dig your heels into the ground, pull your toes up. That'll give you a little bit more of a bias towards working on strengthening your hamstrings. So, uh, Pretty cool exercise progression in that you can make a lot of changes, a lot of alterations. And then I mentioned previously how important the core strengthening is um, and how important it is in improving outcomes for really any kind of hip injury or hip pathology. Some of my favorite exercises will actually combine both the hip strengthening as well as the glute strengthening. So kind of a two for one. The first exercise that does so is a side plank with leg abduction. And this exercise is a great way to challenge your core stability while also building your glute strength. So again, I've got links to those types of exercises on my YouTube channel if you wanna look those up. Finally, I wanna talk specifically about core stability and its impact on healthy hips. So to focus on true core stability, you have to keep the tissue you're working on targeting in place while moving a nearby extremity. So a great way to accomplish this goal is through a variety of, again, those quadruped positions where you're on your hands and knees um, and different plank variations too. I'm sure as a cyclist, you've planked at some point, everyone loves the plank. Uh, so to get started, some different exercises you can try like a bird dog where you're on your hands and knees and then you're lifting one arm forward and the opposite leg backwards and then alternating. Um, and you can also look up like bear crawl variations are also a great way to work on um, some of that core stability. Last piece here that I want to talk about now that we've got a good idea of the different elements of rehab. So the mobility, stability of the hips, as well as transitioning to the core strength. I want to give you some different questions or considerations to ask your medical providers I harp on this all the time, but you need to be asking these questions so that in having this information so you can make the best decisions. You don't want to be in a situation where all of a sudden you're told, oh, you need surgery, or you need this, or you need that. And you're kind of a deer in the headlights in terms of deciding, okay, they're telling me I need this, so I need this, rather than being able to make an informed decision of, hey, this could be beneficial, but conservative management could also be helpful. So I want you to feel like you can make those good, those well-informed decisions. Whew, fired me up a little bit. Um, so questions to ask your PT and or orthopedic doctor. So if you've had imaging, if they've requested imaging, you've got results, Ask your provider if the labrum is detached or what type of tear is present because it can make a difference. It can make a difference if the entire labrum is detached or if it's just a partial tear. There's like four different kinds of uh, tears when it comes to the labrum. I'm not going to get into those specifically right now, um, but based on the tear, it can make a difference in terms of you know, how much you need surgery, how much instability is present things like that. 
if your surgeon is planning to operate, ask them what they're planning to do. Are they going to go in? Are they going to repair the labrum? Are they going to debride the area, meaning they'll shave away um, some of the area, which can actually lead to more instability and potential more increase for arthritis or things like that in the future. So get a good understanding of what's actually going to be taking place with the surgery. Next, ask what percent of their patients get back to competitive sports or an active lifestyle and the likelihood you'll be able to get back to doing X, Y, Z, whatever it is that's important to you. If it's cycling, tell them, tell them specifically, you know, how many miles you're trying to do a week, if there's any events you want to do, or a specific style of riding, mountain biking, road cycling, whatever it is, make sure that there's very clear communication in terms of, you know, is this surgery really going to help me get back to doing the sorts of things I want to do? What's the timeline? Because really the bottom line is I don't want you to accept surgical intervention because it's the norm. If it does not make sense for you or your specific case, ask lots of questions, make sure you're comfortable with the procedure, make sure you're comfortable with the timeline, the recovery ahead, um, and make sure your end goals are known to the PT and surgeon. You have to advocate for yourself so that you can have the best possible outcome because that's what you want. That's what I want for you. Um, and that's what's going to make the biggest difference in helping you, you know, live an active and fulfilling life moving forward beyond this injury. Because this injury, what we want it to be is just a road bump along the way rather than a defining um, time period or defining incident that affects, you know, your movement, your quality of life moving forward. So some big takeaways here, when it comes to hip labral injuries and rehab, it's not uncommon for pain and discomfort to be present and lead to decreased activity levels and time on the bike. All this can be frustrating, but the good news is with specific guidance and a home exercise program, you'll likely begin to see some relief and be able to return to improve function without the need for surgical intervention immediately or even you know in the near future. It's very, very important to focus on improving your hip mobility through limited ranges of motion, as well as developing strength in your hips and your core. If you focus on those pieces, you'll be well on your way to rehabbing your labrum and always, always, always reach out to a trusted medical provider. Um, if you're not sure, if you have questions, and then it's always okay to get a second medical opinion as well. That's it for today. If you like this episode, feel free to share it. Feel free to leave a five-star review. It's going to undoubtedly help more cyclists access this content and ultimately take control of your health on and off the saddle. Hopefully, you know by now that's my biggest goal is to get you feeling like you're very confident and understanding what sorts of things are happening with your body um, and how you can take control of those, how you can take an active approach to your health. If you're on social media and interested in more cycling content, you can follow me along at johnshafer.dpt. That's J-O-H-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-E-R dot D-P-T. I post clips from the podcast, <clears throat> cycling content, tips, uh, all kinds of great information there. <clears throat> and if you're interested in working one-on-one -on -one with me, visit painfreecycling.com. And you can fill out the application for a free assessment. Happy to take a look at you and see what's going on. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the support so far. Like I said, I've really been enjoying shooting these episodes um, and getting to spread a little bit more long-form content. Thanks for all the support, and we will see you in the next episode. Have a great week.